Welcome to the Iceland with Kids podcast. We're sharing the best tips and tricks to help you plan an amazing vacation to Iceland. Your host is Eric Newman, the founder of Iceland with Kids. Eric offers custom vacation plans and personal tour guide services for families visiting Iceland. Check out all of the details at icelandwithkids.com. Here's Eric and the Iceland with Kids podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Iceland with Kids podcast. Today's episode is all about places to stay when you visit Iceland, so lodging options. We're going to talk about when you want to stay in hotels and maybe when you don't, when you might want to get an Airbnb house or an apartment or a camper van or other options. So let's dig in to my tips for finding the best lodging when you're planning your vacation in Iceland. Tip number one is to book early, really early. The key here is that most lodging reservations are cancelable. So especially now in the age of coronavirus, when you're not sure what travel in 2021 is going to end up looking like, you can book your lodging as long as you have a pretty good probability that you're going to actually visit Iceland in 2021 or beyond. You can book your lodging now and cancel later without penalty if you need. Many people that I've talked to, not many, but a surprising number of people that I've spoken with who are planning trips in 2021 are booking their lodging before even booking airfare, right? Because if you book airfare with Iceland Air, for example, um, you can change your dates, um, but you can't get a full cash refund. You end up getting a credit for a future flight with Iceland Air. But lodging, you can get a full refund if you cancel within, you know, maybe it's a week, maybe it's a couple of days prior to your actual stay nights, you can get all of your money back. And so you can plan out your full trip without even having airfare booked. Now, you only want to do that if you have a pretty good chance of visiting. It doesn't seem very nice to just book a pretend trip that you never plan to actually take. Um, but especially on sites like booking.com um, or, or on a house on Airbnb and most hotels, you can get a full refund. Uh, this is especially important, or it used to be at least, on the South Coast. Um, the conventional wisdom prior to coronavirus, I think all bets are off now, but prior to uh, coronavirus was that um, lodging on the South Coast was really, really tough to, to find, and you might end up having to stay you know, half an hour away or even more from where you actually wanted to be, especially to find a place that fits your whole family. And so, especially for the South Coast, you can plan it out a, a couple of nights where you're staying and have those planned out and booked prior to booking any other part of your trip and then work around that for planning your Iceland trip. So tip number one, book early, especially if it's cancelable. One tip there is to watch for the cancellation dates. Um, on a site like booking.com, each place that you're staying may have a different cancellation policy. So one may say, up, oh, you have to cancel two weeks prior to staying there. One may only be a few days and one could be a month or more. And so make sure you maybe keep a spreadsheet of all of those cancellation dates. Make sure you don't assume that you can just cancel one week prior to your trip because oftentimes you can't. But keep track of it and book your lodging early and have your trip planned out so you know, know you have those locked in just in case you do get to visit Iceland in 2021. Tip number two for booking your lodging for your Iceland vacation is to look at location. Location, 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 as they say in real estate. In Reykjavik especially, um, Reykjavik's a bigger town than most people think if they haven't been there. They think Iceland is this you know, small country, and it is. And Reykjavik isn't as big as most cities in the U.S. or other capitals in Europe, but it's big. You know, you're, you could end up in a hotel that says it's in Reykjavik, but it could be a 20-minute walk to get to the main tourist sites you're interested in seeing. Um, so when you look, 
book, make sure you read carefully what it says. A lot of times it'll say, you know, very convenient to central Reykjavik. But then if you read down, it'll say there's a bus stop right outside, which is maybe a 10 minute bus ride. Maybe that that's okay with you. But if you're hoping to be able to walk outside and walk around to restaurants and shops and other places, you might be disappointed if you have to hop on a bus or drive every time. Um, what I do when I'm looking at a place to, to stay in Reykjavik, whether it's a hotel or an apartment or a house or anything else, I usually use Google Maps and look at the distance to two different places. Uh, one is um, Hallgrim's Kirka, um, Hallgrim's Church, H-A-L-L-G-R-I-M-S. Just type that, it'll pop up in Google. Um, and the other is the Elding Whale Watching Company. Um, those two are maybe about 20 minutes uh, um, apart from each other. And each, in my mind, uh, represents a different part of the touristy area of Reykjavik. Hallgrim's Church, you know, is a sort of its own landmark. There are museums and shops around there, some wonderful shopping streets um, start slash end at Hallgrim's Church. Um, and Elding Whale Watching is, is at the mouth of the Old Harbor. Um, where there's tons of restaurants and shops and, and museums as well. And so you can look for how close you are to one or both of those. You're not going to be close to both of them because they're far apart from each other. But if you're a couple minutes from one of those, you're going to be in a pretty good area for walking. You also want to look for noise, by the way. So you, if you look on TripAdvisor or some other site, um, if you are in the center of town, especially on summer weekends, um, people tend to stay up late and party. You may want to make sure you're not staying in a hotel that's central, but maybe it's very, very noisy. Outside of Reykjavik, this may be less critical to you. You may not care as much. Some of the, of the lodging area op options aren't close to anything by design because they want to be out, out in nature, uh, close to hiking trails uh, or hot springs or something else. But if you're staying in a town, even outside of Reykjavik, you may want to, to know if you can walk to restaurants and shops. There are some great little towns uh, that I think it's fun to, to, to get back after a day of touring and sort of walk to a restaurant and not have to hop in the car again if you've been driving for several hours. So um, you also may want to be able to walk to the grocery store or the local thermal swimming pool. And so it doesn't matter uh, either way. Um, just make sure you know if you're looking for a place that's in Reykjavik or in a town um, and you want to be able to walk, make sure you look at a map or look at distances to those different landmarks I mentioned in Reykjavik to make sure you can walk if you want to. Tip number three is to make sure you have enough room for your family. Um, sometimes people get really attached to a hotel. They look at it. It has great ratings, lots of five-star, you know, happy people. It's in a great place. And then you realize that they don't have an, an, enough any rooms that fit your whole family. Um, people are surprised, um, at least people from the United States, I think, and Europe, this may be more common, that many hotels only have room for two or three people uh, in a room. They don't have larger rooms. Some will have larger rooms for families or suites. Um, but my rough estimate, this is really super rough estimate, is that about a third of the hotels in Reykjavik only have rooms for two people. And up to half only have a maximum size room, which holds three. So if you're a family of four, or more. <laughs> My family has seven, so we can't stay in any hotels, really. Um, but if you have a family of four, you may expect, oh, we can just stay in, in any hotel. But no, it turns out that maybe half of the hotels in Reykjavik won't have a room which will fit four people. Now, they may, if the fourth is a, a very young child, it might be okay. 
but you want to make sure that these hotels have space for you. Hotels are a good option for smaller sized families. Um, they, many of them include very, very nice breakfasts, you know, breakfast that might cost you 20 us dollars otherwise per person. And they're, they are full service. We talked in a recent episode that if the, the, the Northern lights are out, they may call and wake you up if you choose to have them wake you up. Um, that's an option you don't get at an, an Airbnb house, for example, but make sure that if you are booking a room in a hotel or looking at a hotel that it has rooms which uh, fit your family and also make sure that you're not looking at the base price for a smaller room than having to pay twice as much for a larger sized room. Just make sure that you're looking and know that they have rooms which fit your family and your budget. My fourth tip for lodging in Iceland is if you're considering a camper van, make sure you understand what the, the rules are for camper vans. So many of you may not be considering a camper van. My family didn't. I do talk to a lot of people who are interested in the idea, maybe intrigued by the, by the idea, although only some of them end up doing it. Uh, the benefit of a camper van, of course, is that you're getting your lodging and your transportation all in one. And so you can save some money if you book early, especially um, you can save some money and also have more flexibility um, for where, where you end up staying, right? You can sort of pick a campsite maybe at, 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 at the last minute based on how your trip is going, how far you've made it. It's harder if you're booking tours, you do have to sort of make it to that tour at a certain point. But if you have a more flexible trip planned with just hiking and other activities and waterfalls, you can say, you know what, we're going to stay longer here and then we're just going to stay closer. We're not going to make it to that further out campsite. We're just going to stay in this closer campsite. Um, the one tip I want to give you, though, is that some people still think that you can just kind of park your camper van anywhere, just kind of pull off to the side of the road, find an empty spot and stay there. Um, there are these, quote, right to roam, unquote, rules in Iceland, this law that says, says you, have, you have the right to roam. And that allows you to set up a tent any, anywhere you want, basically, if there's no other options available. So if you're out in the center of Iceland, which is, which is the highlands, um, where there aren't hotels and there really aren't you know good roads and there aren't too many options, you absolutely have the right to just set up a, a campsite and stay there for the night. Um, but the, the rule changed in 2013 for camper vans. Camper vans must now be in a campsite. Um, and so make sure that you don't get your camp, your camper van, assuming you can just kind of park at anywhere, anywhere you want. You're not allowed to anymore. Uh, in the show notes, we'll give a, a link to a, a list of campsites. There are plenty of options for campsites. They're not very expensive, although you do have to pay something. Maybe it's about $20 per night uh, for a camper van to stay in, in a campsite. Some of those campsites are open all year round and some are just open in the summer. Uh, you may still be able to stay at a campsite uh, in the off season in the winter or non-summer. Um, if you ask, you'll have to email or call and ask and make sure it's okay. You wouldn't have services. You wouldn't have maybe power and showers, for example. You have to ask the owner. Um, but do make sure that you realize that you have to stay in your camper van. You have to stay at a campsite. You can't just pull off to the side of the road. So it may be a good option for you. Just make sure you understand what you're getting into. Tip number five is to consider the value of a kitchen. That's kind of a weird sentence, I know. Um, but eating out can be expensive in Iceland. Now, my sort of the model in my brain for um, you know, the restaurant prices in Iceland is maybe different from some other people. I think there are some pretty good options at the, the lower end. 
can get hot dogs, you can get, you know, snacks from bakeries or sandwiches from bakeries that aren't very expensive. And I think those aren't going to be too, too much more than, than what you might be used to paying for at home. You're not going to find a dollar hamburger from McDonald's, but you are going to find, you know, a $4 hot dog or a, a 5 or $6 sandwich, eh, maybe a $7 sandwich, but you're going to find options. I also think that the high-end dining in Iceland isn't that expensive relative to high-end options in other countries. Um, Especially if you consider, well, coming from the, 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 the United States, where you have tax and tip are extra, if you're going and ordering a, you know, a $30 steak, that $30 steak is going to cost you, you know, $36 or $38 uh, when the, the final bill comes in the U.S., you're going to be able to find, um, you know, a $30 or $40 meal, a $30 steak in Iceland. Maybe it's lamb or fish, but those high-end options to me aren't priced too much more than high-end options everywhere else. It's the middle option which is missing. You're not going to find sort of this middle-level, sit-down, inexpensive meal. Um, you're going to walk into a gas station in Iceland, and they're going to have good fish and chips, but you're going to pay $20 for that fish and chips, um, not maybe the eight you're expecting. And so it's that middle option that I think is missing, and many families sort of want this. They don't want to take their kids to a high-end meal, but they also don't just want to grab hot dogs every night. They want something, a moderately priced restaurant, and those are hard to find in Iceland. And so I think there's value in a kitchen. If you're comparing prices, say, oh, this hotel you know, costs less, but I can get a full house, and that full house costs me $50 more per night, you may save that $50 by cooking in your own kitchen, going to the grocery store, where I think prices are also fairly reasonable for most things, and cooking yourself, you can more than save that, that $50. And so consider the value of a kitchen. Don't just look at the price of a hotel versus the price of a rental house with a kitchen, because that kitchen has value. And so I really like the um, staying in, in, in Airbnbs with the family. You have room to stretch out. Parents get their own bedroom. Kids get their own bedroom or bedrooms if it's big enough. You have the kitchen. I think there's value in that kitchen. So make sure you're looking and realizing that eh, this kitchen could save me a you know $75 meal. My sixth and final tip for booking lodging in Iceland is to look at a map. Again, that's sort of a, a weird catchphrase there, but there are two reasons that when you're booking lodging, make sure you look at a map and not just a town name or something else. Um, one is that uh, many times you'll see distance measures that aren't very useful in Iceland. So um, I'll give an example here. I think this will help to explain it the best. I was looking for a place to stay in the town of Dalvik. Um, this is a, a, a cute little town up in the, the north of Iceland. Well, there's a company there, I think it's called Arctic Sea Adventures, that offers um, a combination of whale watching and sea angling, whale watching and fishing tour, which I, I, I am a fan of because it keeps the kids entertained on the way back from whale watching. You can go fishing. Um, there was nothing available in Dalvik or maybe only one or two places, but I think it was it was Airbnb or Booking.com said, oh, hey, here's a nearby town that's only 4.3 miles away from Dalvik. Maybe you're interested in staying here. Well, that didn't seem so bad. 4.3 miles isn't very far, but it turns out that this place to stay that was 4.3 miles away was on an island, the island of, of, of Harise, I think it was. And so if you stayed on that island, you would be 4.3 miles away, but you'd be on an island. You'd have to have to, to, to take a ferry and get your car on the ferry and go back and forth. And that ferry may only run a couple of times per day. And so don't just look at the distance measure there and say, oh, it's pretty close. We should go for it. Make sure you look at a map. If you looked at a map, you would pretty quickly see that this lodging was near Dalvik physically, but it was also on an island. Um, the second reason to look at a map is that Iceland has many towns where the same name is used twice for a town. 
So there are two towns called Husavik, for example. Um, lots of people are interested in Husavik now because of the new uh, movie starring uh, uh, Will Ferrell. Um, and the movie is Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. And it's on Netflix. It's a production that was made by Netflix. Um, there's a song they, they, they sing in there called Husavik, My Hometown. Um, and this Husavik is in the north of Iceland, actually near Dalvik that I just mentioned. Um, there's a second Husavik out east as well. And the second Husavik is much smaller. You're probably unlikely to end up staying there, but it happens. Um, people get confused. The most common one that I've seen that people end up getting getting uh, confused by is Reykholt, R-E-Y-K-H-O-L-T. There are two Reykholts, one in the Golden Circle and one in West Iceland. And this is one where I think if you go on, on, on TripAdvisor and, and it'll list the, 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 the top things to see and do in Reykholt, you're going to get a mix of attractions from both of these towns. So again, make sure you're looking at a map. You can kind of just zoom out and just make sure you have the right Husavik, have the right Reykholt, have the right Vik. There are several pairs of towns. And um, if you, you know, find something that seems too, too, too good to be true, oh, this is a really cheap place for this town, maybe you're in a different place. So make sure that you're looking at the map. Make sure you know where you're staying so you don't end up staying somewhere hours and hours away that has the same name. Or make sure you stay close. Make sure you're not staying close by, but end up on an island instead. All right, so those are my six tips to help you find your lodging in Iceland. Um, book early, consider kitchens, understand camper vans, and many, many more. If you have any questions, feel free to send me an email at eric at icelandwithkids.com, or you can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash icelandwithkids. Um, I will also link um, at icelandwithkids.com slash podcast um, to our new trip planning services. So we are offering to help people plan their trips to Iceland, and that includes finding you lodging. And so we'll, you know, you'll tell us what you're interested in. We'll interview your family. We'll see what kind of trip you were looking to plan and we can book the lodging you want. We'll make sure that we don't book a hotel that doesn't hold your whole family. We'll find, you know, different lodging in different towns to make sure you don't have too much driving in any given day. We'll really plan a custom one of a kind trip that's tailored for your family. If you're interested there, go to icelandwithkids.com slash podcast for all of the information. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Iceland with Kids podcast. For more information, check out our website at icelandwithkids.com. Or if you want help planning your Iceland vacation, or even having me serve as your personal guide in Iceland, just send me an email, eric at icelandwithkids.com. Thanks for listening.